Friday, January 25th is the day Phoenix, Arizona, Not Sam Wrestling comes to you live. Yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, and my co-host, Corey Graves, live at Copper Blues Live in Phoenix, Arizona at Desert Ridge. Be there Friday, kick off the Royal Rumble in style. We'll be breaking down many, many moments from the Royal Rumble's past. We'll have guests. It's going to be a blast. Get your tickets now at cblive.com. You're not going to want to miss this live experience. It's going to be like nothing else. There's going to be multimedia. There's going to be interaction. Get ready for the meet and greet, exclusive merch, the whole deal. It's going to be a Royal Rumble style extravaganza. Not Sam Wrestling at Copper Blues Live, cblive.com for tickets. Yours truly, Corey Graves. And now we start Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh yeah, here we go. Welcome, 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 welcome. It's Not Sam Wrestling Time. It's that time of the week, my favorite time of the week. I hope it's your favorite time of the week as well. It's been a good week for wrestling, folks. Raw and SmackDown. Fire! Fire! We got a lot to talk about. Strap in. It's going to be a fun one. Actually, the whole week's been fun. Starting out with uh, NXT UK TakeOver, into Raw, into SmackDown. Who knows where we're going to go, man? Who knows, you know? End of 2018 was a little shaky. Beginning of 2019 is awesome. I'm excited about spending the beginning of 2019 with you in Phoenix. It's going to be a really fun live show. I posted the poster, as did Corey Graves on his social media. The announcement was made on Tuesday. Corey Graves is going to be my co-host at Copper Blues Live in Phoenix, Arizona. So get tickets at cblive.com. Uh, and it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be an amazing live show experience that you're not going to want to miss at all. You know, speaking of experiences, this week uh, we made some big changes over on the Patreon page. Uh, I don't know if you guys are invested, but patreon.com slash wrestling. It's actually the best way to get invested in this podcast, in this whole community that we're starting. I, I saw the Discord room. That's one of my favorite parts of the Patreon page. The Discord room uh, was growing. Quite a bit this week. A lot of new members in the Discord room. Uh, just talking all day, every day, about everything going on in the world of wrestling. Of course, they're all not Sam Shills. They're all signed up at patreon.com slash wrestling. So I restructured the whole thing. So now every category is either less expensive than it was or has a lot more value than it did. So we start at 4 bucks a month. You get all the bonus audio at 4 bucks a month. You get all the bonus video at 9 bucks a month. You get all the interaction and live content at 15 bucks a month. And you get free merch. You get a, 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 a Not Sam jacket. You get, live, uh, you get uh, free tickets to any live show that we do. A whole bunch of stuff for 45 bucks a month. But it all starts at $4 a month. Go to patreon.com slash wrestling. There's a video for everybody to see that's open to the public where I kind of got on live and explained exactly what we were doing. Everything is spelled out very, very clearly. It's really easy to now pick a category based on what you want the most out of this podcast experience. And no matter what category you pick, you're going to get a ton 
of value for it. And that was really uh, one of my big goals in starting that thing. So it's very, very exciting over at patreon.com slash wrestling. And of course, if you are a Not Sam Shill in the Hall of Fame level, then you will, uh, you have the option of receiving free tickets to the uh, show that I'm doing in Phoenix, Arizona at Copper Blues Live on Friday, January 25th. So very, very exciting. Today, we've got a lot to break down. Not only do we have that week of wrestling that I told you about, the, the really the, certainly the WrestleMania season and what we're gonna, what the first part of 2019 is gonna look like has really started to take shape, specifically in the WWE this week. Um, I, I think that, that this week, when you watch Raw and SmackDown, certainly um, much more of a picture of what it means when the WWE says that they're shaking things up. What what was meant when in December the McMahons came out and said things are going to change now, we're going to change things up, and we're going to give you more of what you want. You know, I well, we'll talk about it in the state of wrestling. Are they delivering? You know, I'll tell you where they did deliver. The Mean Gene special that's on the WWE Network is great. I think it aired uh, live after Raw on Monday, but it's available on demand on the WWE Network, obviously. And it's great. It's a half hour, and it goes over Mean Gene's whole career from coming to WWE from the AWA with Hulk Hogan, being uh, the definitive voice in terms of interviews for the WWE from, you know, the mid-80s all the way up until, like, 93 they talk about his WCW career from 93 on where really um, the the because he became the big fish in a smaller pond, WCW really utilized him and it actually raised Mean Gene's status, I believe, being in WCW. It talks about going from WCW back to WWE where he, you know, did the uh, WrestleMania gimmick battle royal and then he started getting used. He did stuff with Renee Young for uh, international and digital and home video stuff. He did the Confidential show. It goes into the fact that he was a big part of Legends House. Like, so much stuff on Mean Gene. But it really is a wonderful tribute. So if uh, if you're a Mean Gene person, and I have yet to meet a wrestling fan who's not a Mean Gene person, uh, check it out on the WWE Network. It really, really is a fun special. So, speaking of fun, this week our guest, one of the funnest guys uh, you could ever ask for. And that man is the man. It's Booker T himself. So this week... Uh, Saturday, actually, Booker T will be participating in what he claims is his last match. He's down at Reality of Wrestling with one of his guys in the Reality of Wrestling promotion in Houston, but this one is going to be available on iPay-Per-View. So we're all going to be able to see Book's last match, theoretically again. You know, we've had a lot of guys say that it's their last match a lot of times. Booker is no liar in his head. He may believe this is his last match, but we'll see. The guy's in great shape, you know? If I was in the type of shape that Booker T is in and had the athletic ability that Booker T did, I would probably have a tough time retiring from professional wrestling, but that's just me. I haven't accomplished all the things that Booker T has accomplished. Uh, We talked to Booker T this week, not only about reality of wrestling, not only about his last match, we talk about uh, the transition of, of... of what he learned when he got to WWE. And we talk about that in the context of All Elite Wrestling and what he thinks about them and 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 whether, you know, they have the tools necessary to be that big promotion. We talk about the Royal Rumble. And if, you know, Book is sitting here wrestling in January, 
you know, is the Royal Rumble a possibility for him? He says this is his last match. Is the Rumble a possibility? We'll talk about it all, and we'll do it right now. My guest this week here on Not Sam Wrestling, I've only, this might be, is either the second or the third time I've had him on. I can't wait. I got to keep track of this. I got to go back and figure out how many times Booker T has been on this podcast because when he's on for the fifth time, I am going to have a field day. I can't wait till I can call him a five-time guest. But in the meantime, I'll just call him a great guest. You're going to enjoy this. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us on Not Sam Wrestling this week, the one and the only Booker T. Let's hit it. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Well, back on the podcast, and I can think of no appropri- no more appropriate time than right now to have him back on. Ladies and gentlemen, all hail. He is the five-time champion of the WCW champion of the world he is the hall of famer and he's getting ready to get back into a wrestling ring after four years being away ladies and gentlemen Booker T what's going on man what's the haps hey man hey man I'm feeling good right now feeling good right now getting ready to uh, you know go into this weekend um big weekend for reality of wrestling more than anything um you know I'm all of my guys all of my crew man they're so excited but it's it's huge. It's huge. The last stand, and I, and I and I truly um truly believe that this is the last stand. You think this is your last? This is the last time you're going to be in. You're fighting uh, uh, Rex Andrews from Reality of Wrestling, and you're obviously. I mean, Reality of Wrestling is your baby. I guess if you're ever if you're going to have a last match anywhere, it should be at the place that you built and created, and that you're kind of trying to use to to create the next generation of talent, right? Definitely. I mean, uh, we, we like the triple A of professional wrestling. We want to be the biggest um, out there that's doing it um, from this perspective, trying to get young guys to the next level. Uh, Rex Andrews is one of those young guys who've been with me since he was 17 years old, moved from Dothan, Alabama, just totally picked up everything and moved to Houston, Texas to learn the art of professional wrestling. And um, he's a grown man now. And, you know, he's made an ultimate, he's given me an ultimatum. You know, he's I wrestle him or he's going to leave reality of wrestling, you know, and I, I can't just let him leave without going ahead and, you know, giving him a, a little taste of what he wants, but I don't think he's going to like the taste that he wants to get. <laughs> so did he, at 17, did he specifically uproot because he was like, I want to get, I want to go get trained by Booker T. This is, this is the person that I want to learn under. Yeah, man. I mean, this kid, he moved from Dothan, Alabama, um, and, um, came to Houston and, finished his education and, and came to reality of wrestling. And he's a grown man now. I mean, he has a business. Um, he has a gym business um, that he that he's doing. That's doing pretty well. Um, he trains in jiu-jitsu, um, uh, mixed martial arts, um, as, as well as professional wrestling. And he's he's a kid that I see, you know, high hopes for. He's a kid that I have big, big dreams for of making it to the next level. But uh, he always just wanted to be the best um, at reality of wrestling and um, definitely um, give him props for that. That's got to be crazy pressure. Like, I'd be so worried that I would develop this reputation for myself the way you have, and you'd have people moving from other parts of the country just so they could get trained by you because I'd be, I'd be worried that somebody shows up and they're like, Booker, I moved all the way from Alabama or wherever else because this is the place that I want to be and this is the business that I want to be in. And then you're the guy who, if they get in the ring and you can tell right away, they just don't have the chops. You have to sit there and go, listen, guy, uh, 
I hope you didn't pay for any place around here because <laughs> I don't know if the move was uh, was just right. Well, I can, t- I, I, I can tell you, I had this one guy who came out. He said he came all the way from Africa, and um, <laughs> he didn't pan out. It didn't last a week, and he blamed me for it. He blamed me for not him for him not making it to the WWE. You know, and, but the thing is with reality of wrestling, you know, we don't we don't sell dreams. You know what I mean? We don't you know, um, give um, promises that we can't keep or anything like that. Uh, we give it, you know, straight, you know, down the down the line as far as this is what you're going to expect. I mean, this is a, a grunt business. It's about paying your dues. You know, you may never make it to the next level. Um, that's all on you. Uh, just like that song um, goes, it's on you, baby. You know, <laughs> that's all on those guys as far as how far they go in the business. But if they have the tools, you know, if they have the attitude, if they have that um, that that it factor, I'm going to be the first one to say, "Hey, man, um, take a look at this guy. He may he may be the next one." That is such a but that's such a wild thing though, because you would think that somebody who would have the kind of uh, uh, aspiration, who would have the the work ethic to get themselves out of whatever they're doing, move to another country, track you down, train. And then once they get there, they decide that their part is over, and now it's on you. You're going like, wait, what happened to this guy that moved? Like, what happened to this work ethic that you used to have? Now it's on me? You know, I have guys, actually, that come to my school, you know, and they, they, they fill me out. And, they, and some, one of the questions sometimes is, you know, how long is it going to be before I make it to the WWE? You know, <laughs> I, go, I go, wait a minute. You don't see a crystal ball in here anywhere, do you? <laughs> I, I don't have any tricks up my sleeve to make that happen, you know. Uh, but 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 I've had you know coming to my my office, and um, you know they don't have any um, aspirations other than coming out and being the best at reality of wrestling, and then they go out there and they they exceed um, you know in the in, in the in the highest way, and then they go on to to that next level, and then they exceed as well, like an Ember Moon. You know, um, mm. like like a Brennan Williams, you know, the ones that really, really want it and don't want anything handed to them. They want to go out there and get it on their own. That's why when Ember Moon made it to the main roster, you know, I, I congratulated her. But I said, you did all the work yourself. Don't think that I did anything for you. You did this for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it always is amazing the way responsibility gets shifted around. When you decide that you're going to uh, start this school and that you want to start training people, were you looking at the way you got trained as an example or were you looking at the way you got trained as, I need to, I need to be the trainer that I wish I had? I need to be the trainer that I wish I had. That's uh-huh. the way I looked at it. Um, I, I want to give these um, young, young kids a half of a chance at making it in this business, you know how hard it is. I mean, there's so many guys out there trying to make it in this business, and you know, there's so many shows out there where they can get, you know, so much misdirection as well as pick up so many bad habits along the along the way. You know, I want to alleviate that problem. I want to give them a, a chance at coming to a school, learning it the proper way. Then we have the show. You know, I, I, I tell my students, if you can make it on reality of wrestling, if you can make it on that roster, you may have what it takes to make it to the next level because we've had guys that, you know, come to reality of wrestling that, that you know, Jeff St. Francis was there for four years, five years, and never got a chance to be on the show because they were not reality of wrestling material. You know, there was this great interview I watched on YouTube. It was a quick one. It was like five minutes, but Triple H, like it was in the UK over the weekend. And he was talking about the Performance Center and how, 
you know, guys from all over the world with all levels of experiences end up at that performance center. And it's everybody from guys that have never wrestled before to a guy like Finn Balor, who's got, you know, who's wrestled all over the world. But he said that the difference about the performance center and the difference with the WWE is that they go way beyond wrestling, right? Like, like they take guys who have had these amazing, successful wrestling careers, but then open them up and say like, look, there's all these elements of the business that you might not be aware of. I mean, it starts with the basics of promos, but it's like playing the cameras and figuring out the entrance and, and what direction to step in and where to put your arm here so that the audience reads this and all kinds of little details that I don't, I, I, I think that you would need years in wrestling to really understand, you know, the intricacies yeah. of it all. Since you've had so much experience, you know, is that something that you take with you into reality of wrestling when you're putting together you know, these shows? I am. I'm, I'm a prime example. I'm a prime example of, you know, everything that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, I first got to WWE. Um, you know, I was a guy that was seasoned and had been in the business for a long time. And then I got there and, you know, just I realized I was just a wrestler. You know, I didn't know anything about television wrestling really I, I didn't know how to go out and you know create as much as i possibly can i didn't the character building side i didn't know a whole lot about that i tell you know um these young kids you know a lot of great coaches you know you may have never you know heard of them from a superstar status but trust me they played on the on the on the team that played in the big game they know exactly what it took to get to that level and um that's what i think i bring to the table more than anything you know i've been there i've seen it as well as I've worked, you know, the current champions of, of today, like AJ Styles, as as well as I've worked the current, the, uh, excuse me, the past champions, like a Ric Flair in the past, you know, so I've seen it from so many different perspectives. So I try to teach not just what we did in the past, but what these guys are doing today and then try to mix it together and take it to the next level. I always say, you know, the, 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 the uh, this is awesome chant. You know, I love the this is awesome chant, but I need the Booker T chant before the this is awesome chant. <laughs> right, right. You need the identifier. The, the identifier should be you, not just the fact that everybody's having a good time here. Exactly my right. point. Right. So, I mean, that's that's amazing for me to hear, though, like the, the idea that, that that is something that struck you when you got to WWE, because it's not like... You know, you had this career, and you had you had been in Japan and on the Indies and stuff. You were WCW's number one guy. You were the WCW champion. You would think, if anything, could prepare you for WWE. It would be being that guy in the closest thing to WWE, which was WCW. I mean, WCW for a period of time was was in terms of TV ratings and things like that, bigger than WWE. But still, you get to WWE, and it's a whole new world. Hey, man. Um you know, when I was, like I said, in WCW, I was a wrestler, man. I was the ultimate wrestler. I can go out there and do it all. But when I got to WWE, you know, I remember Black Jack Lanza. You know, I was at a house show, and, you know, I did a match. I can't remember who I wrestled, and I lost the match. And I pretty much just got up and, you know, came to the back. You know, I shook a few people's hands and, and whatnot. And I came on back, and Jack Lanza, he pulled me aside. He said, kids, you just missed a moment. You know what I mean? He told me what to do um, the following night to go out there and do it totally different. And um, I went out there and did exactly what he said. And I'm like I say, I'm a guy that's, you know, 12 years in the business now almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, 12 years. And um, I did exactly what Blackjack told me to do. And the crowd was giving me a standing ovation by the time I got to one knee. I 
from that same match. Wow. And then I got to my feet, you know, people are literally clapping, you know, like, like crazy. Everybody's standing. I'm, I'm walking out. I got my head down. And I'm like, wow, man, I just learned something that, that I didn't even realize. I didn't know for, for that many years. I remember, um, uh, doing something, uh, in a match one time and I, I screwed it up and I came back and I didn't know what happened. How did I get to that position? And this man told me, well, you should have did this when you did that. And I go, man, how did he know that? When people like that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's when you're watching from an outside perspective and you know what you're talking about, you know what you're doing, you see it. Um, it's so vivid to you. And, and that's what I've learned. You know what I mean? I've had so many great teachers, so many great uh, mentors along the way. You know, I just take from them. And um, try to give it back at the same time. Were you like that from the beginning of getting to WWE? Because I would imagine there are people in that period of time, you know, WCW had been so successful. There were a lot of people that were coming into WWE from WCW that hadn't been there, but it had these tremendous careers in WCW that maybe would not have that attitude, that would have the attitude of like, I know what I'm doing. I'm pa- you don't need to teach me, okay? I'm a big star. I've been, I've been here and would not be as open to the advice as it seems like you were. You know, I've always been, um, I, I got a rule, you know, um, my rule is, you know, when you're 100% of the time, uh, you know, you feel 100% about something, you, you speak up 100% of the time. When you're 99%, you keep your mouth shut. You know, a lot of times, you know, it, it, it's that 99% rule. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to take it, you want to filter it, and you want to see exactly if it's good information, you know. And for me, um, I, I was a sponge. I say, hey, let, you know, let's, let's see how far I can take this thing. Um, I, I want to be able to learn, you know, their style of working, you know, and if I wasn't, you know, willing to do that, you know, I probably would have been on the outside looking in just like uh, all the rest of those WCW guys back in the day, you know, yeah. I remember, uh, I, you know, I actually remember uh, Marcus Bagwell telling Pat Patterson, you know, you don't have to worry about me getting over. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't think he worried yeah. about it. He didn't, you're right. He didn't have to worry about it for very long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, you know what I mean? So, so you got to know, know how to, you know, uh, keep your mouth shut and go out there and see if you're going to get over or not yeah. before you start making certain claims. <laughs> and, then, and then Booker T comes over and says, oh, you can worry about me. You can worry about me all you want. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely worry about me. Whatever you, whatever you got, just give it to me. And uh, I'm going to try to utilize it. So, But that, that's what the business is about, um, being able to listen you know, take instruction, go out there and make it the best you possibly can each and every night. Um, you know, I've heard so many guys, you know, talk about not being able to get over because the writer's not writing stuff for them, you know. I mean, back in the day, we didn't worry about the writers writing anything for us. You know, we went over, I mean, we went out there and got ourselves over, you know. If the fans were bringing the signs, you know, we were going out there giving compelling matches, you know, drama, Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet. You know, we knew we were going to get put in a good spot. That's the way the wrestling business worked then, and I really think the the business still works that way today. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you think when you see a group like uh, All Elite Wrestling uh, uh, popping up, and and you've got they've got money, they've got the Khan family, they've got all this talent coming in, do you think that they may suffer from that same thing where they don't quite know exactly what it is that can make this 
product so special and so big? Or do you think that because there's a guy like Cody Rhodes running around who's experienced everything there is to experience in WWE and, and kind of, you know, was was raised in that environment and now Chris Jericho is around, that those brains are going to be the ones that go, no, 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 you got to pay attention to this detail or that detail. Well, definitely having someone like Cody, you know, having someone like, you know, Billy Gunn, he just came on board. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heard, um, yeah, yeah, um, you know, having guys like that, um, Chris Jericho, you know, those guys are, they're, they're smart guys. You know, they, they they know the business. They know exactly what it takes to, to, to sustain at, at, a, at a certain level because they all worked at a certain level. They all have made it to the big time. All of those guys have worked at WrestleMania um, at some point in time in their career, especially at Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, but um, but I tell you, um, they, they're going to have to tread water very, very fine because, you know, just throwing out money and giving away, you know, money like that, big contracts coming in. With I've seen that. You know, I've seen it happen with, with WCW when a lot of guys came in. There was a lot of money getting thrown around, and, and, and nobody was really thinking about the product. No one was really thinking about you know, the, 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 the ratings and whatnot and what it was going to, as well as the investors, you know, the stockholders and whatnot. Was, well, nobody was thinking about that kind of stuff. You know, so I, I think, um, you know, they're going to have to tread water uh, very fine. They're going to have to get a, a good crew together. They're going to have to have great storylines because fans are the, the best at times, but they could be the worst um, at times, <laughs> especially with social media today. And they could make one bad mistake, uh, or one small mistake, and, and they could get blown totally out of proportion. One thing about professional wrestlers, um, you know, spe- I can only speak of the wrestler of, of you know, my era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, we always said, man, a wrestler, man, they would screw it up for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one, you know, uh, <laughs> one disgruntled wrestler not getting what he want. You know what I mean? One 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 bad night you yeah. know what i mean and, and the media gonna pick something up and run with it so uh, as well as you know working on a yearly basis guys going out there and not getting hurt guys going out there and not getting injured you know um it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a definitely a test for the con family and hopefully they're ready for it how how great is it for you in the position that you're in to also be going back and doing stuff with WWE once a month, doing the kickoff shows, doing whatever. Sometimes it's more than once a month. But to be able to be in the belly of the beast on a regular basis. So it's not like you're coming to your classes and saying, like, look, I was in WWE and here's how they did things 10 years ago. You're going and saying, I know exactly how they did things 10 years ago, but I know exactly how they're doing things today as well. And this is kind of the direction the business would be in. Do you think that that that, that becomes an asset? Oh, man, it definitely does. I mean, I love my job, you know, doing what I do. Um, still being able to um, have my hands on um, with the young guys, whatnot, um, you know, as well as produce you know, the young guys for them, you know, try to get as many young guys to that platform as I possibly can. Um, but, you know, talking talking A&E, I mean, uh, AEW, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, those guys, they're going to need guys as well. You know, WWE can't fuel, you know, the whole wrestling world you know what i mean um these guys those guys are going to need talent um they're going to need young talent you know and if it's guys that could that's not going to make it to wwe that could you know filter their way over there you know it, it's going to be awesome you know what i mean but for me my life is great man you know i actually was you know uh 
reading some stuff that, you know, I was trying to get an AEW contract. <laughs> you, you were reading that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Why am I, this wait am I trying? Yeah, people saying that, you know, I'm coming out and having this one match just to show, you know, Cody Rhodes and those guys I can still go, you know. <laughs> like, the people are crazy. So social media is really rampant, guys. So they're just going to have to trade water real fine. But me personally, I'm fine, man. I'm happy. <laughs> sure. You know, just working with WWE. I mean, I'm going to be with WWE probably until I'm about 60. Four years old or something like that, so I'm good on the contract side. Yeah, so the so so the last stand is not your last ditch effort to make Cody Rhodes realize that you still got something left in the tank. <laughs> no way, Jose, man. I'm like, uh, I'm I'm loving what Cody and those guys are doing, man. Like I say, this is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just um, talking to um, Bubba Ray and those guys just yesterday, and I say wrestling is. I, I, me personally, and you know, I don't, you know, people can say whatever they want to say, but me personally, I think the wrestling business is hotter now than it's ever been. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, they didn't have WrestleCon. You know, back in the day, they didn't have all of the conventions and whatnot that we're having now. Back in the day, there wasn't so many independent companies running where, you know, guys that didn't have the name of a Cody Rhodes could still make money like a Marty Skrull and, 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 and be able to, you know, um, survive on the independent scene and take care of his family. Um, it, it has not been this big, um, I don't think ever, and I think the, the wrestling business right now is in, a, is in a really, really good place. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you think about it, you know, that, that sort of Monday Night Wars era, it was probably the highest for that small group of people, WWE, WCW, but in terms of spreading out the wrestling business... And seeing, you know, there's there's spaces for people everywhere, and it feels like it's only growing and growing and growing. I don't think that the the net has ever been cast this wide. You know, um, and people, you know, that say, oh, Booker T, what is he talking about? You know, you know wrestling, what about the Monday Night I, You know, I understand that. But I really think, like you just said, from an overall perspective, you know what I mean, as far as wrestling around the country on a weekly basis, I'm talking about Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you look it up online, it's a show going, I mean, not several shows going on weekly, you know, and um, like I said, these shows are paying really, really good money uh, for, for, for talent to actually, for talent to actually show up and be on the show, you know. So right now, the I I think the wrestling business is literally on fire. I think it's at its, you know, I wouldn't say it at its peak or anything like that, but it's at its hottest it's been in quite some time, you know, as ever. And well, and the technology is moving along so that people can get these audiences. For example, on Saturday, January nineteenth, you can you can watch. Booker, there was a time, you know, when you would do, you know, Sean, when Shawn Michaels had his wrestling school in Texas, he had what he claimed was his one last match, and you could only watch it, like, I was a tape trader in high school, so I had to, like, you know, like, like find a VHS copy of a copy of Shawn's last match that was broadcast on local TV in Texas so that I could see it, and, you know, not knowing that it wasn't even close to his last match, but <laughs> <laughs> the last stand... You're doing it on iPay-Per-View, so you're, you know, the people in Houston are going to be able to see it in person, but now everybody can watch this thing. I mean, I think that that's part of what you're talking about, that the, the stuff like iPay-Per-View and, and putting things on online and on YouTube and whatnot have made it so shows that normally would have an audience of, you know, a few hundred can have an audience of 10,000 or more because 
Yeah. You know, and 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 globally, I pay per view is everywhere, right? Hey man, I'm not having to pay that you know big budget network. You know, I mean, we're not that big. We're we're, we're a small company. We're a mom and pop shop. We're just trying to make some money here and a little money there to you know keep everything going. You know, buy a few cameras here. Try to make the company a little bit bigger. Hopefully, this thing explodes. You never know. But uh, with social media, there's a chance. You know what I mean? With able to stream uh, online. You know, without you know paying anyone to do it. Uh, you know, other than you know, our streaming service, it's huge. It, 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 it's unbelievable. Um, for us, you know, Reality of Wrestling, uh, we're getting ready to drop our, our own app, our own Reality of Wrestling app here within the next, you know, uh, few days. So uh, people will be able to watch all of the Reality of Wrestling, you know, uh, content on our own platform, which is, you know, our WWE network in a sense, you know. So our thing is, um, it's beautiful, um, you know, here in 2019 and, and the way the world is, um, you know, just moves so far ahead as far as being able to do stuff like that. Um, I always say, you know, I can only imagine, you know, where ECW would, would, would be if they had social media and streaming service, um, the way that company exploded back in the day. I can only imagine if they had what we have today, you know, so we're just going to utilize it. The last stand um, It's going to be up. Um, go to realityofwrestling.com. You know, you can check it out. Go to Fight TV. Um, download that Fight TV app. It's free as well. You can check it out. But um, check out what we're doing here on the Gulf Coast because I think reality of wrestling, uh, not to pat myself on the back, man, but we really got a really good thing going on down here in Texas. Although if ECW had tried to go global on the internet, YouTube probably would have busted them for music rights finally. They were <laughs> New Jack would have had to figure out a whole new uh, a whole new angle. Sad man, all of them. Man. Yeah, yeah. All, all of guys. So <laughs> What are you doing? Hey, they, 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 used, they used it as long as they could. They, could, man. they got away with it as well, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Paul Heyman knew. Paul, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt, you know, to have having lawyers in the family. But 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 <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> figuring out how you can use all that music and still be, you know, this mom and pop thing. It's 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 amazing. Um, sometimes <laughs> sometimes it helps to have only a limited number of eyes and ears on certain aspects of the product. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, um, I, I really believe that also, you know what I mean? Um, like you said, they wouldn't have been able to get away with stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I think the company would have flourished. I think they could have found right, somebody to throw, the, throw some music together, that uh, fake Nirvana, just like Dallas Page did. You'll be able to find somebody. You know what I mean? But the, um, just the action, you know, the energy in that, that uh, ECW arena, man, you know, um, it, it was, it was, it was infectious. It was off the chains. Um, just actually seeing it, you know, we didn't get it on television down here, but when you, when you did see ECW, you knew it was something totally different than you had seen before. That's why I just say it, it, it would have blown up. Yeah. I think I, I a hundred percent agree with you. Uh, what are you, speaking of getting blown up, what are you doing to get yourself in shape for this last Nothing. match? Nothing. <laughs> All right. Like I know you've been working out forever. Okay. I know last time I saw you, I think the only thing you were eating was pistachios and a lot of pistachios. <laughs> you were just munching on those pistachios because it's all you could eat right now. But, 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 but what are you, what are you doing to get yourself in ring shape? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. And <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing. No, I'm serious, man. I'm hoping and praying that 
muscle memory kick in. I'm hoping and praying that, you know, it's like riding a bicycle, you know. I picked the jump rope up and, you know, boom, I'd knock out 100 reps with no problems, you know. So I'm just hoping and okay. praying that, you know, um, it all comes back to me. You know, I, I can't practice or anything like that. I've never been one of those guys, never, not throughout my whole career, I've been one to be able to go out and practice and try to figure out what I'm going to do before I go out and do it. It's just always been, you know, out of my head. You know, now I'm working with a, a young guy who works from a totally different perspective, a real true grappler. And it's kind of like the, you know, the Rocky uh, Balboa story, you know, when he had no speed left, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He had no, um, you know, he, he was not uh, quick of feet or anything like that. He had nothing but power. He had to use nothing but raw brute strength, you know. So I'm just thinking about a fight going into this thing with Rex Andrews. And normally in a fight, um, the adrenaline kicks in. The adrenaline kicks in to a point to where you'll go until you drop. And hopefully that's what's going to happen on Saturday night. I'm going to just, I'm just, I'm going to just go. I'm just going to just uh, put it in gear and see exactly what the old body still have. At 53 years old, uh-huh. and I'm and I'm still trying to you know go out and. Hang and bang in the zone uh, just one more time. <laughs> Do you think that you can uh, – are there any more spinaroonies left in your body whatsoever? I know you've said no before, but then done spinaroonies anyway. So, Well, spinaroonie is, 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 is definitely in my blood. Spinaroonie is something that <laughs> – um, I feel like I'm going to be able to do Spinaroni forever more, honestly, and uh-huh. to, to, to the end. I feel like I'll be able to go out and just do one um, Spinaroni, if, if not just but one. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, I'll, I'll conjure up the, the uh, wheel uh, to actually be able to get it done. Somehow, um, I'll find myself you know, saying, hey, you got to do it just for the people. You know, so I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready as I'm going to get. People say, hey, man, you ready? You ready for this thing? And I'm ready as I'm going to get, man. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not getting any younger or anything like that. Um, uh, I'm going to go out and throw hands just like we did back in the old days. So, when I mean, speaking of the old days, when you're sitting here and you're talking about this potentially being your last match and, and saying, like, okay, you know, we did it, are, are there any moments or eras of your career that you look at and go like, ah, I wish I had done that differently or, ah, that's a match that I never got to have that I always intended to or anything like that. Not necessarily regrets because that's probably too strong a word, but just, you know, little moments where you're like, ah, I wish I had done that, you know, two years before or after I actually did it or, yeah. Not really, man. The thing is, not really. My career has been set. I've had a great career. Even even this right now, um, last day of match, um, it's for my wrestling company. I, I won't put my boots on and go and wrestle anywhere else, I, I, I don't think, forever, throughout, throughout throughout the rest of my life. I, I just don't think so. Um, I don't want to. I don't need to. Um, I've scratched every itch as far as that goes. This thing here is something I'm doing for my wrestling company, just like Vince McMahon would do it for his wrestling company. I mean, I've seen him do it many, many times. Mm-hmm. You know, when the ratings go down, Vince's going to show back up. And if you have to have a match, you have one. <laughs> get, people, get people excited. That's the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always vowed not to try to be that guy in my wrestling company as well. You know, I don't want to be the guy in my wrestling company. It's for my young guys. It's for my my young soldiers that's, you know, building this thing for me and helping me, you know, carry it to the next level, you know, but, but to be able to go out there and, you know, participate 
and and show the world that hey, we got something, and we got something special down here. Reality of wrestling. Hey, that's only my job and my duty. But no, I have no regrets um, throughout my whole wrestling career. I've, I've done it all, man. I've, I've seen it all, and, and and the beauty of it, man. I'm still here. The beauty of it, I'm still doing it. The beauty of it, I still get. I got the best seat in the house at every pay per view. You know, so yeah. I could not ask for more out of my career. I, I don't I don't know too many people have had, you know, a, a ride like Booker T has had, you know, this twenty eight years, man. It's been awesome. So, you know, I mean I thought uh you know, going back to Shawn Michaels again, you know, oddly enough, I thought that uh, when when Shawn had his match at Crown Jewel, when he came back for one match, I said, oh, no. I said to myself, you know what this is? He must have been down at that performance center. He got bit by the bug. He thinks he's coming back for one match, but I'll bet Shawn's going to get bit. I'll bet he'll be back in the ring. I'll bet. And as soon as that match was over, he goes, yep, that was one, and I'm done, and I'm not coming back. And I go, oh, well, never mind. I guess that that, that, that bug doesn't always bite as hard as you think it's going to, is that at all something? Yeah. Is it that so? That's not in your head. Like you don't think that you're going to get in this in in this ring with Rex Andrews at the Last Stand on Saturday on iPay Per View, and you're going to have this match and win or lose. There's going to be something in your blood that goes. You know what? I kind of want to do more of this. You don't think so? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Um, wrestling is hard. Wrestling is not, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, for me to have been out of the ring now, like I say, four years, almost four years to the day, um, not taking one bump. I haven't fallen down anywhere. <laughs> you know, I haven't, I haven't bumped my knee or anything. <laughs> um, but no, I'm serious. And then they have to get in the ring and know you're going to have to, you know, put yourself through that. Um, it, it takes a certain mentality. It's a young man's game. And for me, um, I don't think I'm going to get in the ring, and I I can honestly tell you this: I don't want to do it. Okay, <laughs> right? I can honestly tell you. No, I'm serious. I can honestly tell you. I can honestly tell the world: I do not want to get inside of that squared circle. When I'm, you know, just say for instance, when I go to WWE events, yeah, I make sure I'm, I make sure I'm at least. 25 yards away from the ring. I have a phobia <laughs> about being around a wrestling ring. I do not ever want to be, you know, within the vicinity of a wrestling ring anymore in my life. Uh, so for me going into, you know, Saturday night, I'm a, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared um, um, as far as this moment goes because I don't relish my body ever feeling like that ever again. You know, to, to, I, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. I know um, come Saturday night I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, leave it all in the ring. I know that. I, I know come Sunday morning I'm not going to be able to roll out of bed. I know come Monday morning, you know, Charmel is going to have to try to pull me up out of bed because it's going to be that much worse. Uh, come Tuesday morning, things are going to maybe start leveling out Wednesday and Thursday and whatnot, but it's going to take four, wow. you know, good days to get over that, that one night, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking forward to this. Um, one bit, not one bit at all. I just love the the way but you, I got it, but I but I but I got to do it. You got to do it, and I love the way you phrase that because now every fan listening knows that if you ever in the future see Booker T in a wrestling ring, you have to know that no matter what his face looks like, no matter what his actions tell you, no matter what's going on, he doesn't want to be there. He does. Booker <laughs> T does not want to be there. No, I don't. That's not. I'm not just saying that either, man. I'm, right. I'm, I'm really not. I'm not just saying that. I mean, um, 
this is all, you know, they've been, I, my guys have been trying to, you know, talk me back into the ring for a long time. Like, Booker, why don't you just have one match to do it? And I'm like, I just can't. But now I have a reason. I have right. a reason to actually go out there and do it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going out there and facing literally Rex Andrews. He, this kid's a prodigy. He's literally one of the best um, the business is going to get a chance to see here in the future. This guy's going to have a hell of a career um, in the WWE. I'm, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say it. Um, this kid's going to have a hell of a career. Um, um, but but for me to get my hands on him first to test him and see exactly how good he really is, you know, it's going to be a pleasure for me um, come Saturday night. So you know I always come at you from the fan perspective, whether it's when we're talking, whether it's on the kickoff shows, no matter where we – because that's my perspective. That's all I know. And I'll tell you as a fan and what I think other fans are going to see when they're watching this is not only get to see you, not only get to see Rex, but – there's this idea in the back of all our heads that we're looking at the calendar and we know it's that time of the year. We know that it's the it's it's the middle of January, right? And Booker T yeah. is wrestling for the first time in 4 years. So in my mind and I think in a lot of fans minds, we've got this picture of Vince McMahon hearing about the fact that this match is happening cuz you know that Vince knows this match is happening. Hearing about the fact, oh, that, yeah, and hearing about this and going, you know, book, we got the Royal Rumble. We need a number 22 in this Royal Rumble match. Get your ass in that ring. We need you, buddy. We need you in the Rumble. <laughs> what if you get the call and Vince says, look, it's not a match. I know, I know. You don't want to have another match. You don't have to have another match. But number 22 is wide open. We need it. We need Booker T in the Rumble this year. Hey, 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 you know what? An invitation uh, to the Rumble is not something that you can turn down. Okay. You know, um, I, I, that's not like going out and having a singles match or anything like that. But, you know, if I was to slip on a banana peel, mm -hmm. you know, by you know by the grace of the gods, by somehow and win the Royal Rumble, right. I could set, I could set myself up for a big downfall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what I was going to say. With your luck, it would be down to, like, you know, Booker T and John Cena and Seth Rollins. Cena and Seth Rollins eliminate each other, and Book is left in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, and I'm back on the roster. <laughs> but, no, you know, to be able to come out and test myself against the young guys, you know, uh, one time, one last time. You know, I wouldn't say one last time, but one time, one more time. It would be awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm never never going to uh, say no to a chance to actually get back into the ring, uh, WWE ring or anything like that. Um, preparation is the only luck you're ever going to have. But I'm not, gonna, I'm not one of those guys who's going to be, you know, sending or writing in or trying to petition, you know, hey, let's get Booker T in the Rumble. That's not something that's going to happen. Um, um, I scratched every itch. Right. I, I really truly have, and, but 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 and I love the company. I love I, I love it to its core. But I know being in the Rumble, I'm gonna have to go out there and I'm gonna have to suffer a little bit. You yeah. know that following night, I'm gonna have to suffer. You know those <laughs> next few days, I'm gonna have to suffer because I'm gonna be in a lot of pain. You know, but 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 I would I would love to uh, you know you know take that challenge upon myself and um, see exactly what I got what I still have left in the tank. So and, one more time. and I would hope if that happens. I know that we're friends and everything, but I would hope that there is the Phoenix screw job. And by that, I mean Vince has everybody eliminate themselves and you are forced to go back on the <laughs> roster. And then, oh, no, you got to be no, kidding no, me. No, no way. No way. I'll jump out the ring and just jump on Jerry Lawler just for the hell of it. They just have to fire me. <laughs> well, listen, I want everybody 
You can go. It's realityofwrestling.com. January 19th, that's Saturday. It's going to be available on iPay-Per-View, The Last Stand. And this is, this is a, there, there's two big reasons for this. And, and they're both coming out. Number one, you're going to get to see what Booker T believes will be and what he very much wants to be his last match. But number two, a couple minutes ago, you just said you see Rex Andrews as a WWE superstar. So if people want to get on this bandwagon now and say like, oh yeah, I've been watching Rex Andrews forever, get this eye pay-per-view, watch Booker T's last match, but you can also watch what the man that you believe Booker will be the future, and that's Rex Andrews. Yeah, definitely. Uh, check it out. Check it out to see the future. Check it out to see the future in Rex Andrews, but not just um, Rex Andrews. The card is stacked. Um, you know, High Young, our Diamond Champion, she's going to be on there. Fly Def, you know, our Tag Team Champion is going to be on there. The Television Champion, um, Van Harrison, you know, he will be on there. Aiden Cristiano making his return. Um, um, and and, and these, are, these are names, guys, that you perhaps have never heard before. But once you see them one time, you're going to go, wow. These guys really got it. And uh, Reality of Wrestling is the show to watch. Guys, check it out. Download the Fight TV app. Go to realityofwrestling.com. Do it. Do I, it now. I can't wait. I do it for you. <laughs> do it now. <laughs> Thank you, Booker. Uh, I, always, <laughs> I always appreciate the time, man. Always, man. Appreciate you. How about that? Here is Sam Roberts. Here he is, and thank you to Booker T so much for uh, always doing the show, and I would recommend everybody go check out his uh, uh, last match, as it were, unless he gets the call for the Royal Rumble. I think that's the scoop. We got it confirmed. If Booker T gets asked to be in the Royal Rumble, he'll be in the Royal Rumble. I really do think that if that Booker T music kicked in in Phoenix, Arizona, People would lose their minds. And he did promise us that he's got a spin-a-rooney in him, so I don't, I don't see, you know, Master McMahon. If you're listening, I think it would be fitting that you would invite Booker T to be in the Royal Rumble. Um, but by the way, you know, we'll talk in the state of wrestling about how great Raw and SmackDown both were this week. But how about that match between uh, Andrade and Ray, huh? And I call them by their first names because I guess that's why we do. But technically, right now, Rey Mysterio is still Rey Mysterio. I don't know. I, I guess uh, Andrade is Andrade if you're watching uh, the show. You know, I I guess Andrade Cien Almas is kind of a mouthful. But, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't really care so much. You know, this has happened so many, so many times to so many people. And it's never a negative thing. I think it's just a matter of preference. People are really annoyed about it, though. I don't think it's worth getting annoyed about. You know, honestly, nobody misses calling Cesaro Antonio Cesaro. They just go, yeah, Cesaro, that's what we call him now. You know, nobody nobody, uh, nobody even remembers that the drifter Elias Sampson was a thing. You know what I mean? It's just Elias. So now, instead of Andrade Cien Almas, it's just Andrade. I prefer Andrade Cien Almas because that's what I was used to, but I'll probably just get used to Andrade, and that'll be it. Um, but I wasn't too worried about the name because of how great the match was. I mean, dude, Rey Mysterio and Andrade had a classic. And I don't know who started the thing on Twitter. This is not my idea. But there's some, There, I've read it multiple times now. There are people on Twitter, and again, I would love to give credit to the first person who thought of it, but who are saying a build towards 
a hair versus mask match at WrestleMania between Tranquilo Andrade and Rey Mysterio would be amazing. It would probably, I mean, I, I, it might be Rey's best WrestleMania match, which is amazing at this point in his career. And Andrade is just so good, man. He's just so good. And I'm so glad that Zelina Vega is there by his side because she completes the package. You know, she com- she completes that package. So whoever is suggesting that there is an Andrade Ray hair versus mask match uh, that should happen, uh, kudos to you, my friend, because I couldn't agree more. You know, speaking of the whole package, I brought up this interview that uh, I saw with Triple H with Booker T um, in the conversation that we just had here on the podcast. And I actually wanted to play a little bit of it for you. It's on YouTube. Uh, the Inside the Ropes YouTube channel posted it. They post a ton of good videos. They're the ones over in Europe who do all the uh, all the the uh, live shows, like the live interview shows. I think they have Undertaker coming over there in April. But they they've done it with Jericho. They've done it with everybody. But they always post little uh, uh, moments from their live shows or backstage interviews or whatever. Um, but they always do uh, great interviews, and this was no exception. They were at when NXT when Triple H opened the NXT UK Performance Center on Saturday, I guess, as part of the hype for NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. Uh, They invited a bunch of the European press out there, and this was one of the interviews that I saw, and I just, I thought it was great, and to me, it really explains why I feel the way I feel about WWE and why, you know, WWE, as much as, wrestling is being revolutionized all over the place. WWE keeps pushing wrestling and sports entertainment forward in this really sort of mainstream, mainstream way in a way that other companies, I'm not going to say they aren't doing it. They can't do it. It's not their place to do it. This is how, why the WWE has been able to uh, transform themselves into a billion-dollar entertainment company. It's because you can hear the philosophy in everything that they do when Triple H explains the benefit of the Performance Center uh, for guys that come through it. Listen to this. This is from the Inside the Ropes YouTube channel, which I would suggest everybody uh, hit up and support. So, you know, Finn Balor mentioned it here when he was doing his thing that two years ago he came into the Performance Center or whatever it was and or the two years that he spent there. He had never really cut promos. He had never really spoke on camera because he worked in Japan and places where he didn't really have to speak and he was petrified of it. Um, I remember working with him his one of his first weeks in and we were working on his character and his entrance. And uh, I remember walking outside of Full Sail after a long day of TV and I saw he was leaning against the garage door and he was staring at the ground. I walked by him and I was like, you all right? And he was like, yeah, I'm just a bit overwhelmed. And I was like, in what way? And he goes, all of it. I've never had anybody even say to me, let's look at this camera. Let's think about this. Like we produce a television show. We produce a a, a movie event that is based around in ring and and characters and a skill set, right? And a lot of the way the rest of the world, you learn to to wrestle. um, And that's kind of about it. And you're kind of figuring that out. We're, We're trying to create something more. Not only are we trying to create an in-ring, so you have to be able to talk to people, you have to be able to entertain people, you have to be able to connect with them passionately, not just give them a great match, but connect passionately to them. If you think about some of the biggest names that have ever been in this business, 
the most meaningful, the largest superstars, they haven't always been the best in-ring performers. They've been the most captivating personalities, teaching people how to be something more than just a good wrestler. Um, and then in addition to that, it's, it's you know, media training, it's um, giving back, it's, it's uh, you know, working with charities, it's, it's all the things that we do and how meaningful that can be to you. It's managing your finances, it's doing all these things so that at the end of your career you have something. It's creating the best athlete, the most well-rounded athlete. It's taking out the negatives and putting all the positives in place to make something somebody more. But that's the learning arc. You know, when you say, why is Ricochet there? Because Ricochet was a great in-ring performer, same thing that was like petrified to put a microphone in his hand and have to talk with it. Um, that, if I said to him, look at the jib camera, he'd be like, um, what's a jib camera, right? Like, that's a process, right? It's a process that everybody has to go to, through to make them something more. It's not always about, oh, we just have to make you a better wrestler, right? The performance center, sometimes everybody goes, oh, just performance center, why does he need, he's been in the business for 15 years. Yeah, I, I had another uh, per performer that was there that said the exact same thing to me. We, we worked with him a very short period of time. He debuted in NXT, came to me afterwards, and he was like, dude, I just did a one-minute entrance. I've been in the business for 15 years on a show that was carried nationally um, on a high level, and I'm moreover after a minute and 30-second entrance than I've been in my entire career. Holy cow. Like, I had no con... I had I feel like I'm I'm in kindergarten, you know. Um, that's what this is. So that's I mean just a taste of of his answer on that, and I just think it's so great. And you could hear in Booker T's response the fact that he came from WCW. I mean Booker T was a huge deal before he got to WWE, and still there was this learning process for him that that you know I don't think that anybody listening would have expected there to be for him, but. That's why he's succeeded as well as he did, because instead of just saying, well, I don't have anything to learn, I'm the man already. Five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time. Instead of saying that, he was like, oh, oh, I didn't even realize that. And he learned, and I just think it's great. Um, and, you know, I, I think that uh, he's telling the truth is the thing. You know, you, I believe Triple H when he's saying that, that, that there is this, this desire to get the best out of people. And, and and have everybody that goes through there better for it. And I just think it's an amazing thing. So, uh, yeah, great interview. Check it out on YouTube. And really, just really insightful. And, and really, that right there is what I personally love about WWE. Uh, there's a lot to love about WWE this week, as well as other stuff in the wrestling world. And we're going to get into all of it. It's time right now for the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's time for the State of Wrestling for this week's Sam, I mean, not Sam Wrestling. It's still, it's on the tip of the tongue. Not Sam Wrestling is the name of this podcast. Hey, you know what we do here on the State of Wrestling? We count down what are, to me, the top five stories of the week in this here world of, uh, of professional wrestling. And it was a big week. There's a lot to kind of break down. There's a lot to uncover this week. So let's get it started. Uh, uh, top five stories of the week. And they sound like this. For me, the number five story of the week is primarily what happened at the end. 
of NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. I got in all the words. NXT. I think so. Unless I said NXT TakeOver UK. NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool. Uh, to me, Walter and the appearance of Walter at the end of that show. You know, we can talk about that whole show as part of this thing. And the idea that, like, it was... It's amazing. It was such a good showing of what the WWE is doing in terms of expanding the brand and the idea that the WWE, I've said this a lot, especially as people talk about the way the wrestling landscape is changing, but the WWE is Disney. You know what I mean? The WWE, people go, well, when was the last time the WWE put on a a great wrestling show for real hardcore wrestling fans? And all you have to do is bring up the last TakeOver. That's a WWE show. All you really have to do is bring up TakeOver Blackpool. NXT UK is a WWE show. You know, WWE is expanding way beyond the idea of just being a a wrestling company. And they're a multi-branded entertainment company that happens to have a lot of wrestling shows under their belt. And one of them was the NXT UK show that we saw on Saturday afternoon, if you guys were watching live. Uh, I did do a a bit of a wrap-up show over on Patreon, which you can uh, get and you can watch right now at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. But to me, the appearance of Walter was the number five story. That was the big story to come out of that show because it said a few things. Number one... You know, I guess you could also talk about Finn Balor showing up at the NXT UK show. Um, but Finn Balor's week and everything that's been this week for Finn Balor is going to come up later in this here top five countdown. But Walter showing up really in the whole NXT UK takeover show, they're really putting a lot of energy into this UK brand. You know, this is not a stepchild brand. This is something that is really becoming clearly a priority and it's getting to the point you know there were rumors that Walter had signed Walter for those of you that haven't seen him he really developed a name for himself in the states he'd been doing independence in the United States but also a lot uh, abroad internationally in Europe but pro wrestling gorilla PWG Walter had developed a pretty rabid cult following of fans who were seeing him every week or every month or so uh, at PWG shows there were rumors that he had been brought on to WWE, but what we've been left with in WWE right now is this environment where we don't know. We hear somebody get signed. I mean, there was news this week, I think it was this week, that Trevor Lee announced at an independent show that he's WWE bound, which, you know, when you when there's a free agent in 2019, my how things have changed. Because when Trevor Lee announces that he's done with Impact Wrestling, He is now in a scenario where he's just as likely to go to back to Impact, to Ring of Honor, to WWE slash NXT, to New Japan, or to All Elite Wrestling. Like, there are real options out there. And when I say he's most likely, I mean all of those organizations would be smart to take him. And he would be smart to go to any of those organizations. You know, you could absolutely make an argument that while Trevor Lee, and I think, you know, I, I still think that WWE is the end game and the goal for the vast majority of wrestlers. You know, I think that even the younger guys that go to All Elite Wrestling, I would, I would, even the Joey Janellas and the MJFs of the world are, I'm, I would, I would bet 
I haven't asked them face-to-face. I haven't asked them straight up. But I would bet that those guys are sitting there going, you know, this is awesome right now. This is perfect for us right now. One day I'd like to be at WrestleMania. One day I'd like to be in WWE. You know, and and that's not like a thing to be weird about. You hear guys all the time going, you know, wrestling at the Tokyo Dome was a dream for me. Wrestling at a Wrestle Kingdom show was a dream for me. And I buy into that. 100% I buy into that. I bet that most wrestlers would love to one day wrestle at the Tokyo Dome. But at the same time, I bet that most wrestlers that aren't in the WWE, if you really ask them, would love to see at least what it's like, if not have a full-fledged career, a WWE career. You know, I mean, it's, it's still the mecca of sports entertainment, as it was once called. You know, it's still the organization that everybody who's a wrestling fan watched growing up, especially nowadays. You know, there was a time, first of all, there were generations that didn't grow up wrestling fans, you know, that kind of either watched it on regional TV or didn't watch it at all. And just, you know, that whole generation of 80s and early 90s wrestlers, for the most part, didn't grow up as wrestling fans. It wasn't until getting into the late 90s and the 2000s that you saw these guys that had grown up being fans starting their careers. And even more so now, and that's just because, you know, wrestling became such a a, a broad and national pastime an international, quite frankly, pastime that you had more fans. So, of course, those fans are going to be the ones that populate the wrestling ring. Um, And I think now you end up with people that, you know, it's 2019. You got to believe that, you know, the guys that are coming up now, they were born in the year 2000, right? The guys that are starting out now were born in the year 2000. If you were born in, in... 1990, that puts you at 29. You know, a lot of the guys grew up in the Attitude Era and 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 really had a lot of formative years in a post-WCW world. So you're looking at guys that unless they were tape trading like MJF, you know, and looking up stuff on YouTube, not even tape trading, you know, I'm too old because they're too young to be tape trading unless they're looking up stuff on YouTube for the most part, their exposure at a young age was was WWE. So, you know, that thing that fueled you as a fan to get into wrestling is always going to be there. It's always in me. I think it's always in a lot of these guys. So, uh, you know, I think people are always going to want to go in in large numbers. There's always going to be exceptions, but people are going to want to go to WWE. The thing that's interesting now and the thing that really stuck out to me about Walter showing up at NXT UK was we don't know where people are going anymore. When somebody signs to WWE... We don't know what that means until they debut, and it really is an interesting thing. Trevor Lee, does he, you know, Punishment Martinez was a Ring of Honor television champion, and he just started working NXT live shows. He didn't have a big sort of, you know, uh, uh, debut. He didn't have any moment in the NXT crowd. You know, it depends. Matt Riddle ended up in the NXT crowd. Walter, I think that people before the NXT UK show would have assumed that Walter would end up in NXT, not NXT UK. But at the same time, when Samoa Joe showed up in NXT at TakeOver, I think people would have assumed that Samoa Joe, if he's going to join the company, would go to WWE. But this was also at a time where, where NXT was not what NXT is today. I think that the assumption 
for a lot of people was that Samoa Joe would not be a full-time NXT person. You know, there were people saying, Samoa Joe's never going to leave NXT. And that comes up now. You know, people say that, that NXT is being reworked and NXT UK and all these brands so that just because you're in NXT doesn't mean you're going to hit the main roster. But that was said back then, you know. I mean, I mean, the, the word on the street was that Samoa Joe was coming in just to do NXT shows, add a little bit of star power, but he would never be on the main roster. And, and now, you know, he spent the summer having WWE championship matches with AJ Styles. He's one of, behind maybe Daniel Bryan, he's the biggest heel on SmackDown right now. He is the proving ground for Mustafa Ali. And this is a guy who just showed up at TakeOver in a move that people saw coming but didn't really think was coming. And even when he was in NXT, people like me were saying, I don't see him going to the main roster, not because he's not talented, but just because that's not in his destiny. And it was, and I was wrong. You know, I, I still think that regardless of what the intention is, the cream is going to rise. And But that said... I don't think it's a given that anybody's going to move anywhere. You know, I don't I don't think the question is, oh, what does Pete Dunn look like on the main roster? We'll find out when he gets to the main roster. Who knows? But right now, he's the face of the NXT UK brand. Oh, what is Walter going to be like when he shows up at NXT TakeOver to fight, you know, whoever, Matt Riddle? Doesn't matter. We don't know. Maybe it'll never happen. Maybe he'll go straight to the main roster. Maybe he'll stay at NXT UK forever. Who knows? Who knows how big any of these brands are going to grow and who knows what direction they're going to go in. But it's clear that when you take somebody like Walter, who's got a ton of internet buzz, who's got all the potential in the world, who could be a big bad guy in NXT, when you bring him to NXT UK, you get a big signing like that and you give it to the UK brand, it's very clear that the UK brand is a major priority. You know, I think that they're the, and that's something I was thinking about when I was watching the UK takeover show uh, and they were showing uh, 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 Pete Dunn and must uh, Pete Dunn as one of the members of the war games group that won the war games match at takeover. I'll say it again, war games in November. I think a big part of that was because they want Pete Dunn to look as strong as humanly possible because they want to add credibility to the UK brand. I think the UK brand has uh, become a major priority for WWE. Uh, and I think that, that Walter really cements that. And quite frankly, you know, you talk about Pete Dunne's uh, UK title reign and the fact that it's lasted as long as it has. And that's true. And it's amazing. But he hasn't had serious challengers. From the minute that Pete Dunne, and I don't mean serious, you know, of course, I mean challengers that, that penetrate the audience. And I don't mean literally because they're not allowed to do that. But I'm saying when the UK tournament first went down and Tyler Bate won the UK championship, all eyes were on Pete Dunne. You know, they were on Tyler Bate too, but the eyes were on Pete Dunne as well. It was very, very clear that Pete Dunne was a big time star. And the American fans that were watching on TV on the network were all invested in Pete Dunne. And I don't think that that investment has been made. Maybe Mark Andrews, maybe. But in terms of being a credible UK champion, I think that the American fans are fully invested in Mustache Mountain. And that's it. So unless you're going to trade that title around Mustache Mountain, I don't see it coming off Pete Dunne for a very long time. Unless 
you find a new opponent. And they did with Walter. Walter is a guy who you heard the UK audience freak out for him. They felt good enough about him that he deserved that sort of surprise entrance, turn the lights off, do the whole deal. They're giving him all the credibility in the world. I mean, I would imagine that between now and whenever the next UK takeover pay-per-view is, that Walter's just going to tear through the UK division. That Walter is going to come across as unbeatable. And when Pete Dunne steps in the ring with him, whenever he does, for the first time, we're going to sit there going, I don't know how Pete Dunne can win this match. And I think that that's what's been lacking in Pete Dunne's title reign. And I'm really happy to see Walter there doing it. Now, speaking of uh, people moving from brand to brand and the shifts and everything, let's move into story number four. And that's the way the NXT call-ups were displayed on the main roster. So I think that this week, more so than any other week of WWE programming, the shift in storytelling and the shakeup itself was fully on display. The way Raw was the best show it's been in many, many months. And a big part of that is because of the way the stories were told and the way the show moved. The show moved quickly. The show was exciting and the show was unpredictable. Same with SmackDown. The only, my only uh, 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 negative thing to say, my only complaint, I guess, if you even want to call it a complaint, is that SmackDown and Raw felt very similar in the way that the shows were moving. And, and I still feel like in order for the brand extension to feel real, it should not just be different talent on the two shows, but the two shows should feel entirely different. And maybe that means, you know, completely separating the writing staff. I don't know. That's a technicality that is way above my head. But I think that the shows should feel a little bit more different. That said, both shows were great this week. And, um, you know, I think that the the way the NXT call-ups are being displayed is throwing everybody for a loop. We saw Nikki Cross uh, as the surprise six-person, uh, six-woman in the six-woman tag match on Raw. She was partnering up. With uh, with Becky, uh, I mean Bailey and Natty, Bailey, Natty, Nikki, all together, and of course they got the big win. We saw uh, 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 Heavy Machinery interrupt a moment of bliss. We saw EC3 uh, in line trying to talk to Vince McMahon about getting the match with Brock Lesnar. Now I think that that moment was wasted a little bit because the crowd didn't see it. So when EC3 is just kind of standing there. We don't hear any reaction because the crowd didn't see it. But nevertheless, he was there. Uh, and and we see Lacey around as well. Over on SmackDown, EC3 was again backstage. Nikki Cross, even though she wrestled a match on Raw, she was backstage on SmackDown yelling at Rey Mysterio. I thought we were going to lead into a Rey Mysterio-Nikki Cross match. I probably preferred the Andrade match. But who knows what's happening these days on SmackDown. Of course, Heavy Machinery was there when Becky Lynch was walking through and fed her uh, a tuna fish and egg and protein shake. Oof. It was disgusting, but good on Becky. I was watching that segment. I watched it again on YouTube, looking for cuts when they could have moved the blender so that Becky didn't actually have to drink that. I'm pretty sure she drank it. Who knows what else was in there before? I feel like if this was the 90s, that would have been a very dangerous thing to drink. That would have been one of those things where, uh, like, the Godwins had slop, and when they would throw it on Sonny, who knows what anybody else backstage had thrown into that bucket. But I think in 2019, we don't have those issue, issues as much anymore. And, of course, Lacey was watching the match from backstage. It was uh, made clear on Raw by the commentators that the NXT call-ups, we have not seen um, Lars Sullivan yet. 
you know, and that's either, you know, some of the rumor websites were reporting that he wasn't on Raw or he had walked out or he had some kind of issues. It could be that. It could be that they're waiting for him to be a, a monster and they want him to have a special debut. Who knows? But this has thrown everybody for a loop because they've never done this before where people are just kind of around. And the commentators on Raw announced that the NXT call-ups that have been teased over the last several weeks, uh, for the first time, were going to be going in between brands until they settled on exactly where they were, that they would be on both Raw and SmackDown. And they might not be wrestling, they might be backstage, but they're very slowly being introduced to both brands. I think this is smart. You know, I was thinking about it, and because it was different from what I'm used to at first I was like what are they doing you know I was like come on heavy machinery shouldn't be doing this or Lacey shouldn't be doing that or let's figure out who they are let's give them a a, a, a a place to be a reason for being on one of these shows let's get them in let's get them in the mix let's give them a storyline why isn't EC3 coming out and just interjecting himself in that fatal four-way like let's go let's do this but then I thought about it more and you know there is not a great success percentage when people are just brought up from NXT and thrown into the mix. You know, when they're like, here they are, these are their characters, here's their entrance, blah, blah, blah. Because I, because I think part of it is that they don't have that immediate click unless they're giant NXT stars. Because NXT is still a, it's a small show. This is a show that is only watched by people with the WWE Network and only a fraction of the people that actually have the WWE Network. You're talking about a, a mainstream audience in Raw and SmackDown, a lot of which are not watching NXT. And these guys come in or girls come in and the audience doesn't know who they are necessarily. Or, you know, the main roster knows that they want that talent, but isn't quite sure what that story that they have is going to be yet. So what do they do? They end up throwing them into something that they're not ready for or that's not quite flushed out or that the audience isn't quite behind yet, and it ends up not really working. I think that that doing things this way allows people to slowly get familiar, not only with them, but most importantly, with their characters. I think that the reason that these specific... Six people, five acts are the ones that are being brought up from NXT are they have deep, rich characters that you can clearly explain to an audience. And they did that in all those vignettes. But I think like, and, and I think that, you know, in the vignettes, like EC3's character comes across very easily in a vignette. Lacey's character comes across very easily in a vignette. But I don't know if Heavy Machinery's NXT true characters came across in those vignettes or they just looked like they were big, tough guys, you know? Um, Nikki Cross, you know, who knows? I, 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 think that, I, I, I think that what this does, this method that the WWE is using now is it allows people to get familiar not only with the characters but get comfortable with these characters interacting with the main roster, get comfortable with these characters and their interactions uh, with everybody that they're used to seeing, you know? So it becomes this idea where when EC3 finally steps into a ring, it's not going to be we're excited because EC3 came from NXT. It's going to be we're excited because we've been watching EC3 backstage and he's developed this problem with somebody or his personality has come through in this way. 
You know, I think that this is a different way of looking at it. And so it's unfamiliar. And so a lot of us are kind of scratching our heads at it. But realistically, how many people are out there complaining that people come up from NXT and it doesn't go well for them? How many people are complaining about the Authors of Pain? How many people were complaining the, the rule of the Ascension? You know, after the Ascension, all these people, even Shinsuke Nakamura, who's been given every opportunity in the world, you know, main evented or, or was in the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania, won a Royal Rumble, turned heel, the whole deal. People, a lot of people don't like the way he's been handled since coming from NXT. Even Asuka, who maintained her undefeated streak and went to the Women's Championship match at WrestleMania over the past year before she won the Women's Championship back, you know, not the greatest year. So I think the question comes up, well, you know, why don't they change this? Bobby Roode. A lot of people dissatisfied at the way Bobby Roode has uh, translated to the main roster. So now they're changing it. You know, so now WWE is switching up the way they do things to maybe have a greater degree of success in the way these people are, are adapted and adopted onto the main roster. I think it's exactly what, what WWE should be doing is rethinking the way this stuff happens if this stuff doesn't always work. And quite frankly, it doesn't always work. You know, I think that heavy machinery being a part of that uh, Becky Lynch protein shake, you know, it was, I thought that the moment of bliss thing was a little weird. It was fun. It was a little weird, especially with the way the thing just ended and they started the next match and everything. It was like, uh, okay. But... You know, I, I thought that the Becky Lynch thing was great. I like the idea that Lacey is just around, you know? Nikki Cross has been given amazing exposure with her match and then just with her acting like a lunatic around Rey Mysterio. So I actually think that this has the potential to be very, very good. I think that we've been waiting for something different for a long time, and this is the different thing. This is the the... the NXT call-ups being slowly transitioned onto the main roster as opposed to, boom, here they are, here's their music, here's their act, here's their match. Plus, when you're bringing five acts onto the main roster around the same time, do they all just come in, have a match, have an entrance, win the match, because they can't lose, right? And then go forward? Like, you can't do that with five acts all at the same time. So instead, let's just kind of sprinkle them in and see where everything lands. I like it. I think it has the potential to be really, really good. Uh, let's go to story number three. Story number three was another surprise. Another thing that made Raw really great on Monday. Raw was really great on Monday. Uh, so much happening. Um, you know, we, uh, Lashley winning the Intercontinental title didn't even make my top five this week. But it, 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 huge story, you know. That they're, they're moving in a different direction, even with Lashley. That they're adding credibility to this guy. And I think it's not a moment too soon. You know, I, I, I think that WWE is paying attention. Let's be honest. Let's look at what happened at TLC. What happened when Seth and Dean stepped in the ring with each other? It was boring chance. It was Becky chance. People didn't like the match. People weren't there for Dean and Seth. They weren't fans of that match. That was clear. People were there for the main event, which was the triple threat women's TLC match. And Seth and Dean didn't do it on that night. I still think Seth and Dean are two of the best performers all around in WWE right now and certainly on the list of some of the best ever 
you know. But, you know, I but they didn't do it. That This rivalry wasn't working. WWE made some missteps in the way this story was told. It just wasn't quite clicking. So we're ending this thing. We are ending this thing. We're taking the Intercontinental title out of the equation altogether. We're putting it on Lashley, and we're moving forward with it. And I think that that's a good idea, you know? The idea, I, I think that if you're looking to get Seth more in the main event picture as we approach WrestleMania, you got to get him away from Dean and you got to get him away from the Intercontinental Championship because you don't want him to be the Intercontinental Champion, but at the same time, you don't want him to be a guy who lost and can't win back the Intercontinental Championship. So get that title out of the story. Find something new for Dean Ambrose for the time being. And... Boom, you got Lashley, and put Lashley wherever you're going to put Lashley. You know, now that he's got the Intercontinental title, I think it's going to add a lot of spice to whatever rivalries that he's got. I think it's. I think Lashley is, is, is a good choice for it. But that's not my number three story. My number three story this week is the Women's Tag Team Championship being announced. You know, this could have been one of those things where Santa Claus Vince McMahon announces it on the Christmas Raw. It says, next year we're getting women's tag team championships. Everybody freaks out, but there have been many instances where, you know, that's a, an idea. That's just something that's a goal that we want to do, but it's it, months go by, nothing happens, and who knows if we ever actually get the tag team championship. But credit to WWE, they're listening. I think they heard people get excited. So what, three weeks later, they have the tag team championship titles on display for a moment of bliss and a plan for them. It's not like we're going to have this uh, tournament that lasts, you know, 250 weeks and eventually we'll get to tag team champions that we haven't planned yet. And by the time we get there, nobody will care. It's going to happen at Elimination Chamber at the pay-per-view after the Royal Rumble. And it's a it's an interesting way to do it. We're going to have six teams, three Raw teams and three SmackDown teams. Obviously, two start out, four in the chambers, and the winner is the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Now, you would have to believe that that means that that title is going to go from brand to brand, um, which will be interesting because I, I guess you're just going to have to build stories where, you know, let's say a Raw tag team wins it. Let's say Becky and Sasha win the title uh, between... Uh, Elimination Chamber and Fastlane, they're on Raw, so they would have to set up some kind of rivalry with maybe the Riot Squad. At the pay-per-view, do Riot Squad versus Sasha and Becky, and then at the pay-per-view, I'm not, I keep saying Becky, Bailey, and then at the pay-per-view, have Sasha and Bailey get uh, uh, bum-rushed by the Iconics, and then Sasha and Bailey start showing up. I would imagine that they're going to treat this, because they're right not to have two tag team championships, there's not enough women, but I would imagine that they're going to treat this the way they treated the WWE Championship during the original draft, which is if you have the Women's Tag Team Championship, you get to go from show to show. And that's the only team that goes from show to show. So I'm, 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 I love that it's happening, and it adds a new element to all this stuff. You know, I think uh, when you're looking at Sasha Banks, I think Sasha Banks really, really delivered on Raw with Ronda. I really do think that she delivered, but that's because... Sasha finally got to be the natural villain that she is. Sasha Banks is a natural villain. There's something about her 
about her. When Sasha starts being confident, it comes across as cocky and it comes across as not only does she think she's the best, but she clearly thinks she's better than you. And not in a way of like, yep, I just work really hard and I'm at my best. It's no, I'm a 10 and you're a seven. I'm better than you. This doesn't just mean I'm good. It means you're bad. You know, that's the way Sasha comes across. And I think that's the way she should come across. I think that's the way she comes across naturally when she does that. It's believable. It's interesting. And I think going forward that we should have Sasha Banks and Bailey. If we've left them together this long, they should be going towards those women's tag team championships. But I think what we should end up with is this relationship where Sasha is clearly in charge and is treating Bailey like crap. I think Sasha needs to take this all the way. This needs to go well beyond the Ronda match. Because, you know, Sasha Banks wins, loses, wins, loses, wins, loses. And all of a sudden, when she gets rude, when she gets rude to Ronda Rousey, she gets really interesting. And I love that. That's what I'm looking for. All of a sudden, I care deeply about the Sasha Banks Ronda Rousey match. The idea that Ronda's like, yeah, I think this will be good and uh, and 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 we'll just be good sports about it and blah 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 and Sasha turns around and goes, "No, I'm not here to be a good sport. I'm here to tap you out. You're going to lose." It's great. It's awesome. I think that that attitude needs to continue the whole time. The whole time this is going on, I think that the that Sasha, and, and when I say this is going on, I just mean going forward. I think that, that that Sasha needs to be this person. Sasha needs to have, Bailey needs to be the reluctant partner to Sasha Banks. Bailey needs to sit there and go like, I don't know, Sasha. This doesn't seem right. Shut up, Bailey. Let's go. And put the tag titles on him. And have Sasha hold up both tag titles, you know? And have Bailey, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Sasha's right, this is what Sasha likes, this is, you know, she's really, she's brought us here and blah, 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 and eventually you can finally have that buildup and blow off between Bailey and Sasha. But I think if we've learned anything from what Sasha has done on Raw this week uh, and in all the lead up with the Ronda Rousey stuff, it's that Sasha belongs being a bad guy. Sasha's best work was still probably as that at the very end of her NXT career when she was the legit boss Sasha's ratchet no she's not I talk about it all the time you know I used to come on here every week and talk about how Sasha Banks was my favorite wrestler because I believed the character Sasha Banks can pull off that character better than most people can pull off most characters and I think now is the time to dip back into that world you know, I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm very high on it. And I think that not only does it make the Ronda match interesting, but it will make uh, 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 the tag team title situation, the women's tag team title situation, very interesting. And it'll, it'll create that tension between her and Bailey. I just, I just think it'll be great. Um, moving on to story number two. I don't even know where this is coming from. I've been trying to look like, why this was written this way. But there was an article in Forbes and I read the snippet of it and it's all over the internet now. And they're talking about AEW. They're talking about all elite wrestling. And it says something like AEW is not going to have any problems. They've got some of the best wrestlers in the world and Cody. 
referring to Cody Rhodes. And it's like the author went out of his way to say, like, you know, Cody is a great asset to the company. They've also got some of the best wrestlers in the world. Like, why, why are you taking a crap on Cody? I, 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 would, I, I, I want to talk to the writer of that article because it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. Like, just a shot taken to be a shot because it was an article that was complimentary about AEW, I think. That's the gist that I got from what I read. It felt like it was complimentary towards AEW. But then all of a sudden, shots fired at Cody. I don't know. I, I just I saw it everywhere. You know, do I think Cody is one of the well, you know, I don't who's in AEW right now that are the best wrestlers in the world? You've got Jericho, the Bucks, Cody, Neville, Hangman Page, Joey Janela, MJF. Uh, you know, I don't I I would put Cody on par with, with all of them. You know, I don't I who who is that much better than Cody that you have to go out of your way to say that Cody is not one of the best? I, I don't I don't understand it. You know, a lot of rumors popping up uh, this week about people trying to get releases from WWE contracts. I don't really want to get into too much of that because all of it is rumors and hearsay and just stuff being posted on random websites. Um yeah, but you know, there there are a, a few people from WWE that there are rumors about shifting over to AEW or at least ask, asking for their releases and whatnot. We'll see what happens. You know, I have no idea. But, you know, I just thought the Forbes article was weird. Let's get to the number one story of the week. And I think that this is a no-brainer slam dunk story. We start Raw with the limo with Vince McMahon. We go to the Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman segment. Baron Corbin runs away. Braun Strowman chews up Vince McMahon's limo. Mr. McMahon comes out, lets Braun Strowman know not only is he fined $100,000, he just lost his main event match at the Royal Rumble. Just like that, Braun Strowman has to go home, and now they're going out and they're finding a new opponent. They go through the locker room. They allow people to appeal. Jerry Lawler tried to get the match. Kurt Hawkins tried to get the match. EC3 tried to get the match, as previously stated here on The State of Wrestling. Finally, they get to the ring, and John Cena asks Vince McMahon face-to-face for the match. And I thought John Cena's promo was excellent. I loved that he did the ruthless aggression thing. And and I also like that John Cena is coming across as vulnerable. That John Cena is saying that he doesn't want a repeat of what happened at last year's WrestleMania. He doesn't want to be that guy. He wants to be the 17-time champion of the world. You know, I like that John Cena is doing that. It feels different and real and and what it should be. Um, But yeah, so John Cena comes out and then Drew McIntyre comes out and then Baron Corbin comes out and then Finn Balor comes out and Drew McIntyre lays out everybody and a fatal four-way is announced for later in the evening uh, with the winner getting a shot at Brock Lesnar in the Royal Rumble. Now, uh, Jinder Mahal comes out and he says uh, uh, I would like uh, to be in the fatal four-way match Mr. McMahon and uh, uh, Mr. Mc- Mr. McMahon gives Jinder a match with Finn Balor with one of those two going on later to uh, be in the fatal four-way so what you do you've got the situation where of course Finn Balor wins the match against Jinder but what you've done is first you've set up some doubt that maybe they're going to screw Finn Balor out of this he's not going to be in the fatal four-way at all Then when he is in, you go, okay, well, they put this match in, so now the odds are stacked against him. So either he's going to have that big uh, uh, Rudy win or 
he's got a built-in excuse as to why he didn't win this one and wants a universal title shot title shot down the road. You know, Vince McMahon said he didn't believe in him. So, you know, we're now building this storyline. So there's many different directions that you could go in with this. Um, but Finn, first of all, you have to wonder when and why this decision was made. Lots of theories up in the air. Some people think that it's because uh, Braun Strowman's injury isn't healed. Some people think it's because Braun Strowman's promo was so awkward with Brock Lesnar last week. Some people think it uh, was all part of the plan from the beginning. I it, it would feel weird to me that it was all part of the plan from the beginning. This definitely feels like something that was decided this week. You know, this definitely feels like something that was either decided over the weekend or that was decided on Monday before Raw. Um, What led to that decision? I have no clue. I can't believe that it was because of the promo from Monday. Like, I can't realistically say that they saw Braun kind of not be great in that promo and went, okay, we're not going to have this match at the Royal Rumble. Because realistically, they could have just not had Braun Strowman win at the Royal Rumble. You know, you're saying, wow, they, they they changed it because Braun Strowman's promo was awkward on last Monday. And so you, and so they wanted, uh, uh, they couldn't have him be the champion. So they want, well, you don't have to have him be the champion. You could have him have a championship match and, you know, still be Braun Strowman. So I don't think it was the promo from last Monday. Could be the injury or it could be that they just, again, are in this, are, are in this space of new and different and trying new things. Okay, if the fans have been asking for this, let's give it to them and see if it works. But don't come back. They're going to say this. Fans, we're giving you what you asked for. If it doesn't work, don't come back and blame us. This one's on you. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, but to watch Finn Balor, I did not expect it. To see Finn Balor win that match and to win it by pinning John Cena, Wow. I don't think Finn Balor has had a Raw that good since his Raw debut when he pinned Roman Reigns to get the match at SummerSlam. You know, that, I mean, what a night for Finn Balor. What a week for Finn Balor to show up, be the biggest star in the world at that NXT UK TakeOver show, and then to jump on a plane, get to Raw on Monday, and go, you're going to have two matches, you're going to win both, you're going to pin John Cena, you're getting the Royal Rumble main event match against Brock Lesnar, the Finn Balor-Brock Lesnar fantasy match is actually going to happen and you're pinning John Cena and he's going to raise your hand in victory and do a promo about how great you are like I don't know when the decision was made that Finn Balor was the man but I'm glad the decision was made that Finn Balor is the man because I just got very excited for the Royal Rumble I mean look at what we've got now you know we've got uh, Becky Lynch versus Asuka and Becky did a great job at, at, at hyping that up on SmackDown, I think. You know, I'm 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 excited about that. And who knows where that's gonna go. You know, we're fine we're at this place where we're leading towards the Royal Rumble and we're still a week and a half away. You know, it's not this weekend, it's not until next weekend. You know, by the way, you know, the Friday before the Royal Rumble, I'll be at Copper Blues Live in Phoenix, Arizona, CBLive.com with my co-host Corey Graves talking about all things Royal Rumble and playing clips and doing all kinds of great stuff. So be there for that show to start this weekend because it is going to be an incredible weekend. Take over Phoenix and then all of this going down at the Royal Rumble, like we're really going to get a picture painted of what WrestleMania is going to look like and what's going to happen with these women. You've got Asuka versus Becky for the SmackDown Women's Championship. 
the match that we all want to see at WrestleMania is Becky versus Ronda for the Raw Women's Championship. I mean, who knows? So many things could happen. You know, Becky's got the... Is it possible that Becky loses to Asuka and then enters the Royal Rumble and then wins and then challenges Ronda? It's possible. What about this one? What if Ronda loses to Sasha and then enters the Royal Rumble and wins it and challenges Becky? That's possible too. What if Becky wins the SmackDown Women's Championship, enters the Royal Rumble anyway, challenges Ronda, and we unify the titles at, 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 at WrestleMania, and that way we have one set of women's tag team champions and one women's champion. All of these things could happen. You know, it's, 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 it, there's so much up in the air. Who has any clue what Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar is actually going to look like? Is Finn Balor just going to get crushed? Or is this a moment, you know, realistically, I don't think Finn Balor is going to win the Universal Championship, but theoretically he could, right? Is this the moment that Finn Balor wins the championship? Or is this the moment, realistically, where time is taken to make Finn Balor look like a million bucks. If Finn Balor comes out of Royal Rumble looking amazing, we have to believe there's some kind of WrestleMania plan for him. And if Finn Balor comes out of Royal Rumble just getting squashed, we have to believe there is no WrestleMania plans for him. So much going on. I love that Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar is the main event for WrestleMania, I mean for Royal Rumble this year. Um, It's an exciting time, man. It's an exciting time. Thank you all for being here. This has been the State of Wrestling. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Don't forget Copper Blues Live. Get your tickets now, please. CBLive.com. Yours truly, Corey Graves, our guest. It's going to be an amazing, amazing show. CBLive.com to get tickets for Friday, January 25th at 7.30 p.m. Live in Phoenix, Arizona. And we will see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.